Welcome to Kingsway International Christian Center Tirona, where we are raising champions and taking territories. We are sure this teaching will be a huge blessing to your life. Feel free to worship with us on Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. at 1.30 Base Pro Mills Drive Unit 5354, Vaughn Mills. For more information, visit www.kicccanada.ca. Now, get ready to be transformed by the Word. started a series of entering into God's rest. Entering into God's rest. We started that series and then we established a couple of things last year. We said that the conversation of rest is a choice. What that means is that you can be a believer. You can be born again and not enter into God's rest. Hello? Hello? Praise God. So you can be a believer and still not enter into rest. That means that you can be a Christian and you will struggle all the days of your Christian life. You struggle to get everything done. You struggle to get a job. You struggle to get married. On the day of your marriage, you struggle to arrive early. You struggle to get engaged to. You struggle for the ring. There are some people, they've been in relationship for 10 years the day the guy finally proposes, the ring drops. Like, he brings the ring. You are seeing the ring. About to put it into the lady's hand. The ring drops, falls into a ditch. And nobody's able to bring it out. Some people's struggles are real. Hello? Hello? So the lady's just like, oh my God. Today that I thought I would be engaged, there is still no ring. And the guy will say, the ring is just a symbol. Don't worry, we are still engaged. He will only say that if the ring cost him maybe $2. Maybe he got it from dollar store. But if it is a proper ring, man, we are digging up that gutter. Praise God. So some people struggle all the way. You struggle to get your resume done. You struggle to upload your resume. You struggle to send it to a recruiter. You, st you struggle to get the job. You struggle to get an interview. On the day of the interview, you struggle to get to the place. Everything is characterized by struggle. And some other people have learned, they've made that choice. Already, they have entered into rest. Praise God. I don't know if it was here or if, if I was preaching at a place over the weekend. I'm not sure if I said it here. About a story a pastor shared with us. They had gone for an international conference and then they had a couple of guest ministers, a lot of ministers, some from Africa, some from the States. And then they noticed when it was shortly before it was time for a minister from Africa to come on stage, they would go to the back room. You know, big conference halls, they usually have like a green room behind the stage. And then you see the Afri when it's time to bring up a minister, maybe from Nigeria, from Ghana, or from Kenya, they will just go back to the stage. They will be brain fire just before they come on stage. And then by the time you bring them on stage, they, they are coming believing that ah, these people are here today, the fire to follow him. They come with so much fireful confidence. And then they will just preach their message and go. A lot of the white guys who were on the same itinerary in the green room will just go and say, oh, do you have some coffee there? Take some coffee. I want some cappuccino. Extra milk, extra milk. Sweet out sugar, sugar. Put sugar. Put milk. You know, we go there, have some donuts, have some bagels. Everything, eat, be full come to the stage, minister powerfully under the anointing. Hello? So some of the preachers who had traveled from Africa, they were worried. Ah, this is not what we were told. We will do bah, 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 bah. We will struggle to, to minister and you will go, we, we see you taking coffee. That means you are not even fasting. Ha! Ah. How will you come and minister this kind of conference and you are not fasting? Ah, are we here to play? How do you guys do it? And then the, 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 one of the ministers told them, he said that we are reaping the harvest of prayers that have been said in advance on our behalf and we have entered into rest. Hello? Hello? 
So there are two kinds of believers, those who have entered into rest and those who have decided to struggle. Praise God. Let's go back to our text. We read this, uh, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11. Let's read from verse 11. Matthew 11, from verse 11. It says, this was Jesus speaking. It says, truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Verse 12, it says, From the days of John the Baptist up until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raging. And now we've dealt with this last week. For those who were not here last week, please listen to the sermon. We talked about what it means and violence and all of those things. But let's scroll down to verse 27. Verse 27, Jesus Christ speaking. He says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now, verse 28, which is where we are going to be dwelling on today. Verse 28 says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 29 says, Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Praise God. Praise God. So we can see here, Jesus Christ is saying that for you to enter into rest, there are three actions that you have to take. And that's what we are going to be discussing today. The three actions you take for you to unlock rest. Let's not forget where we read in Hebrews. We'll go there shortly. The three actions you have to take to unlock rest. The first one is to come. The second one is to take. And then the third one is to learn. Are we still together? So the first thing says, come unto me. We're going to dissect that. The second one says, take my yoke. And then the third one says, learn of me. Praise God. Praise God. So the first thing we have to settle right from the beginning is that the person who will enjoy God's rest is someone who has decided first of all to come unto Christ. Hello. It means that outside of Christ, you will never find rest. It's amazing how many times we feel we know what we need and we go out of our way to get that thing. Only for you to discover that after getting that thing, that's not necessarily what you needed. Hello? Any witnesses in the house? There are sometimes you are sure that this, the, the stress I'm having in my life now is because this phone is bad. I shouldn't be using an Infinix. I shouldn't with due respect to those brands. I shouldn't be using a Techno. I should be using an iPhone. Serious people use iPhone. Serious people, they use iPhone. Therefore, I am making a decision. All I need now is an iPhone. So you do all you can to get an iPhone. You know the funny thing, for those who even use iPhone for the first time, on the day you unlock it, you will be like, what kind of phone is this? If you ask you for SIM card, if you ask you for internet connection, why should I have an iPhone to, to start a phone? All sorts. Now, your first week of using that phone, you will discover suddenly that iPhone is not what gives peace. Hello? Hello? For a lot of people, they will say, ah, I've been single for so long. I need love. I need to find love. I need bae. Oh, oh there's, <laughs> there's a witness in the house. I need bae. This, this baelessness, this solitude, I mean, it needs to come to an end. You, you, you go online and you see people exchanging love, love notes and say, oh, I can't sleep without you. If I don't see your face, I can't wake up in the morning. And like, God, I need bay in my life. And you believe that the day bay comes, everything is settled. But God bless you if you have a kind of crazy bay. Amen? 
or mad day, you will just be like, God, I am not doing a game. Please, take this thorn away from my flesh. May our base not be thorns in our flesh in Jesus' name. But you get the point. There are many things in life that we will look for just because we are in search of peace. For people who are not even morally construct, who don't have any moral compass, for people who have no fear of whatever, there are things in the world that are suggested to you as things that can make you happy. They sell drugs. They sell alcohol, sell sex to us. And they say, engage in these things, it will give you joy. And then you find a lot of young people engaging in things that are killing. Have you asked yourself, have you, have you ever asked yourself, why will a very popular celebrity who is worth millions in dollars, who has thousands and millions of fans and followers on social media, who, you know some of you, you will, you will post something very deep. Like, you will invoke your inner Einstein, invoke your inner Aristotle, you post something deep, you're like, ah, no, people are, ah, this tweet is bad. They will like it, they will retweet it. So you post it, you go one hour later, no like, no retweet. Two hours, no like, no retweet. Three hours, no like, no retweet. And then maybe someone like Kanye just comes and just says, air is everything, or oxygen is great. You just see in two minutes, one million likes. You just, ah, I just said something deep. People will just don't look. You know, people, you know people are not nice on social media. They will actually read it and just, just swipe up. In fact, if you did something wrong recently, the speeds they used to swipe, just, what's this one, what's this one, what's this one? just peeing you away. And somebody else says, absolute rubbish. Everybody's retreating, everybody's liking it. The blogs will create headline from a meaningless tweet. Kanye, Kanye reveals something new about oxygen. And then new blog posts. That's how the world works. Why do you think somebody who has that fame, popularity, money, women, unlimited, why do you think people like that end up committing suicide? Have you ever asked yourself? Have you ever wondered? Because those things don't satisfy. Praise God. Praise God. A lot of us have heard people say things like, ah, don't just desire more money. Money doesn't make people happy. Have you had that kind of thing before? And then you say, see, leave that. Let me have the money first. Let me not be happy. Please, never desire not to be happy. Be careful what you wish for. Hello? There are people who will sign billion-dollar checks today if you can guarantee them two hours of sleep. Did you hear that? But you take sleep for granted. You just lie down and you're gone, and you just wake up, and you're back. That simple process of four, five, six hours, depending on how gifted you are in the area of sleep, that simple process is big deal to some people. You are seated now, you, you breathe in, you breathe out. Do you know for some people that is work? Do you know for some people that simple process is worth dollars, is money? Praise God. Drugs, alcohol, sex, bays, cars, blinks, money, more money, those things don't satisfy. They don't give rest. Did you hear that? The only source of rest, the only source of peace is Jesus. And he's giving you an invitation. He's saying, come. Come unto me. Leave those things. I know, you, I know you love them, but leave those things. I was having a conversation with someone recently. Yeah, I remember what. I, I had read it somewhere, and then the conversation just brought it to light. The scripture that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, I had read an article the week before I had a conversation where someone said, if the reason why you are seeking first the kingdom is so that all these things will be added unto you, then you are not really seeking the kingdom. Does that make any sense to you? Hello? So if I say, bring somebody to church next week so that you can win a MacBook Pro. I didn't say so anyways. I said if. So that you can win a brand new MacBook Pro. Now, the truth is that 
Maybe you will have brought someone to church. We don't know. Maybe you actually had it in mind. Ah, service was great today. I, need, I have somebody who is going to enjoy this word, whose life can be potentially transformed. Life class will bless this person. Maybe that was your thought. But the truth is that you are doing it because of the MacBook Pro, and it is not wrong. But in the equation of seeking God first, the whole idea is that you are not after those things. You are after God. And then the moment you find God, you discover that these things are added unto you. But if the reason why you are after God is so that those things will be added unto you, then the truth is that you are still after those things. Hello? Hello? Which is why Jesus Christ never for once pitched God and the devil together. Never for once. Jesus Christ never said, you will, have, you will either serve God or the devil. No. Jesus Christ said, you will either serve God or mammon. Hello? Hello? Are we still together? You will either serve God or mammon. Meaningfully well, that the whole conversation about your worship is not necessarily between God and the devil. It is about seeking God versus a promise of the other things. Praise God. How many of us have ever prayed prayers like, Father, you know if you bless me, I will use the money for your kingdom. You know, Father, you know you, know, you can see my heart. You know if you bless me, my offering will go up from $20. I will be paying an offering of $1,000 every Father, you know. Father, you know if you bless me, I will buy a new suit for pastor. Pastor doesn't wear suits. <laughs> I didn't know he saw my, even this one I'm wearing is work. Praise God. And we make all sorts of promises. Father, if you bless me, I will buy the church this. Father, if you bless me, I will buy the church that. Let me tell you something my mom told us growing up. As little boys growing up, we would go out. And then on our way back, if we were passing through a market, uh, my immediate elder brother, he will buy something. He will buy maybe oranges. He might buy two. A ridiculous amount. Buy it. And then when we get home, he will take it to my mom. He say, Mommy, I bought this for you. And then my mom will say, oh, my son, God bless you. We will now start laughing. He say, look at you. It's orange. You are buying orange. You are buying for money. Say, me, I will build mommy house. Me, I will buy mommy Mercedes Benz. Me, I will, we know, we start boasting. And my mom would just stay there. She said, and she would say, she, she said it over and over again until it stuck. She said, it is the child that buys oranges today that will build house tomorrow. Did you hear that? So, if you find it difficult to part with $5 today, trust me, you cannot give a $1,000 offering. You can't, even if you had a billion dollars in your account. You won't. There will suddenly be other things to do. There will be estates to buy. There will be islands. You will just feel like going to go and buy Bahamas. You, you will just buy. It's, a law, you know, it's, it's actually a law in economics that as your, any economist in the house, yeah, as your income rises, so will your expenditure rise. There will just be more things. There will be more things to buy. Praise God. Praise God. So the first thing we see here is come unto me. Come unto me for me, not for things. There are many believers who are believers. The only reason they are believers is because they have household wickedness. That's the only reason they are believers. And they need somebody who can help them fight it. Hello? There are some other people. The only reason they are believers is because they have needs. Some people in their family, they don't get married until age 40. So, somebody has warned them, if you like yourself, better go to church. Look for a church where they have real fire. Don't go to all these bread and butter churches. They've been warned. So, the only reason why they're in church is so that they don't get married at age 40. There are all sorts of reasons people are in church. But Jesus Christ is saying, come unto me for me. For me. For a relationship. Praise God. How many of you know when people are after you for something? How does it make you feel? You wake up, you see a message on your phone, you, you see boss, you will just smile. <laughs> you know where the conversation is going. Someone has not checked on you. You just say boss. Or hey, I dare. That's the way ladies, but guys will say boss. 
Ladies, I dear, I sweet, sweetheart. Hey, who is your sweetheart? Since when? Last, when last did you talk to your sweetheart? Just go straight to the point, man. How much? In fact, when you want to save yourself the stress, you, the next thing is, guy, how much? Say, I just need 2K, sharply, sharply. Next week, I will, you know, I will, I will. You know the way guys talk? They talk fast when they want to borrow money. Ah, guy, don't just have Sharply. <laughs> Praise God. Now, if you being human, you sense someone initiating a relationship with you just because they want something, do we think God doesn't sense it? Hello? Do you think God doesn't sense it? When we come and you say, Father, I bless and magnify your name, and God is like, go straight to the point. Say, Father, I worship and adore you. God is like, let's hit this nail on the head. Go, wh what do you want? What have you come for? Can we shock God in quotes sometimes? Father, today I'm loving upon you. No requests. Hello? Tell somebody, say, come unto me. So Jesus Christ says, the first step in the rest equation is come unto me for the sake of me. For once, for the sake of me, not what I can give you. See, what I can give you is ridiculous. It's endless. Endless. The devil met Jesus and said, the kingdoms of this world belong to me. Bow and worship me and I will give to you. Jesus Christ laughed. Say, you will not worship any other persons except the Lord thy God. Praise God. We know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God can and God will bless us in this land. Can somebody say amen? See, the kind of champions we are raising in this church, they are global champions. People who will own estates in this country. Hello. I'm not talking of living in Canada and owning land in Moway, Bafo. Those, those things are great. Hello. Hello. You will own in those places to a man if you so wish. But real, <laughs> real estates in this land. Hello. God, it doesn't cost God anything to bless his children. Did you hear that? It doesn't cost him anything. Heaven doesn't reduce. You know the way, you, you know the way when you have, let's say you have 20,000 in your account. You know when they remove maintenance fee of 0 0.001. I'm not calling any currency because a lot of you know those banks that do all of that. Praise God. It doesn't affect the economy of heaven to release a blessing on us. But many times, God is looking for those who are in this relationship for real. Praise God. Praise God. So Jesus Christ says, come unto me, all you who are weary and who are burdened. In the message, it says, those who are tired of religion. Do we have people here who are tired of religion? Anybody here tired of religion? I'm really, I'm sick of religion. Religion is doing us no good, in fact. Sometimes when I meet, I, I love to have intelligent, deep, logical discussions with people who call themselves atheists and agnostics and people like that. Many times, the first statement they say is religion has caused more problem in this world than good. And they know I'm coming to talk to them about Jesus. And the first thing I say is, yes, I agree. And they're like, oh, why do you, are you not here to tell me about Jesus? No, my relationship with Jesus is not a religion affair. Hello? Religion is man's attempt to chase God. The gospel is about God's attempt to chase man. God's love for man. Religion is about routines and things that you do to impress. Things that you do to make people feel that you are closer to God. Such that you... They earn your respect because they see you doing a couple of things. But that's, that's not why we are here. We are not in this for religion. No, we are in this for a relationship. A thriving relationship. A relationship that is active. A speaking relationship. Where I talk to my father, my father talks to me. Praise God. Glory to God. The next thing he says here is take my yoke. Take my yoke. Now, you, you just invited somebody who had a load to carry. And the next thing you are saying is, take my yoke. Praise God. You know why Jesus said that? Jesus Christ is not a front star. 
it gives full disclosure. How many of you have been involved in, in funny businesses or some tips? They will tell you, I mean, scammists today are not being very intelligent again. Hello? Back in the days, they were really intelligent. You see something like, you just won $45,000. Send email with $20 to confirm or some, something ridiculous. You're like, why can't you just remove the money you're asking for from the $45,000 and give me the other? Very dumb. In fact, some of them, one called my wife one day and said, hello, hello, hello. You, hello. Um, um, why are you, uh, who am I speaking with? Hello, yeah, I want to speak with you. Yeah, I know. Who do you want to speak with? Um, hello, you just won, you won $20,000. Just give me your account information. Oh, nice, I just won $20,000, yeah. Who did I win it from? Who won it? What's my name? Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter. Just, just let us know you just won $20,000. I'm like, wow. You know, sometimes you actually have their time and you want to engage them in conversation. And you will lead them when they will feel, oh, we are making, we are making progress. Not knowing that... <laughs> Been there, done that. They shouldn't even be trying that with us. Praise God. So why will somebody who has invited people who have loads to come and take their yoke? Jesus Christ was giving full disclosure. He was saying that in this new journey of rest that I have invited you to, I am not inviting you to do nothing. There is something you will do, but that thing won't be a burden upon you. Hello, hello. Quick practical illustration. So the very first person, we said this last week, that God created Adam on what day? Hello? God created, God created man. Okay, let's put it that way. On day what? Day six. And God rested on when? Day seven. Meaningfully well that the first day that man entered into officially was a day of what? Of rest, meaning that God created the man for rest, even though God gave him work to do, which is what we are talking about in taking his yoke. Meaning that in rest, there is work to do, right? Now, this is where I'm going to. By the time God entered into rest, it looked as if God was asleep, right? Hello? Now, what happened after on that day seven when God went to rest? Do you know what happened? Something happened. That's when things started spiraling. God finished. The Bible says God saw that everything he had done was good. So what that means is we come to church, let's say Saturday night, we look at everywhere and we see that everywhere is good. And then we just come Sunday morning. All the drapes are down, the mic stands are scattered, the wires. Do you know it's almost similar to what it looked like happened in Genesis. Hello. So, by the time God was at rest, the Bible says the serpent came and went to the woman. And the serpent said, Did God really say you shouldn't eat of this fruit? And then Eve was like, Well, yes. God said we shouldn't. Um, he said the day we eat of it, we will die. Oh, did God really say you will die? You will not really die. Wow. Hello? Now, while all of that was happening, what do you think God was doing? He was sleeping. Now, the Bible says that our God, he never sleeps nor slumbers, but he rests. In fact, God is... That's day seven that God entered into rest. God has not come out of it. He's still resting. Hello? Hello? How many of you believe God is still resting? You're like, we don't know. Show us more. Give us more evidence. Show us more scriptures. Our God is at rest. Praise God. He's seated. See, the position of rest is sitting. He's seated on his throne. He's not rushing. Hey, in fact, the normal response of you, if you were God, and you saw a serpent having a conversation with your creature, everything good, what will you do? You just run. Gabriel, Michael, come on, go and stop that conversation. Stop it now. What serpent is doing with Eve? 
cancel that conversation. But no, God was there at rest. Hello? Hello? And then the serpent continued. The Bible says that Adam was, a lot of us, this is how we think of what happened in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. We think that the devil went to meet Eve, gave Eve apple to eat, right? Eve now took it. I said, honey, honey, apple. Like, ah! God said, should not eat it, joy, eat it. And then seduced him and gave him to it, right? That's what we think. But the Bible says that Eve gave it to her husband beside her. So we know that that conversation, Adam was a full part of that conversation. Why? Now, while all of that was going on, God did not send an emergency response team. Hello? Are we still together? Eve ate it. Adam ate it. God did not send an emergency response team. You know what happened? After the serpent left, God did not send an emergency response team. The Bible says that God came in the cool of the day. Hello? Can you imagine that? So God's appointment with, let's say God's appointment with them was 7 p.m. God saw all of these things. God didn't say, emergency meeting is 7 p.m. normally, but something, some something just happened right now. God didn't say so. He said, the same regular cool of the day was the time they met. God didn't say, Adam, what have you done? In fact, I'm sure Gabriel and Michael would have been, God, see what they're about to do. And they were watching. God, will we watch them eat this thing? God, let me just go and stop it. He's like, if you don't understand, rest. Take your cool. Take your chill pill. Relax. They did all of that. God went the same time of the day. I know the first question God asked. Adam, where are you? Praise God. Does that sound like somebody who is at rest? It does. You know why God is always at rest? Because every problem, every chaos already has a solution. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Now, for the person who is at rest, every problem you will ever have is late. Did you hear that? I'm going to say it again. Someone didn't get it. For the person who is at rest, every problem you will ever have is already late. Did you hear that? So if you are seeking for a job, that job problem is already late because God already made a solution available for it that you are yet to see. Did you hear that? Hello? Every problem, in fact, that is the way people at rest tackle problems. From a position of rest, it's like, Father, open my eyes. See, the two examples that come, Abraham's servant, Agar, Sarah's servant, ideally, Abraham's mistress. By the time Abraham sent her out with her son, the Bible says that they were in the wilderness and the lady cried unto God and said, Father, if there is no water to drink, the lad will die. She was saying that God, this child, it might not be the son of the promise, but he's the seed of Abraham. You know what God did? God opened her eyes in the same place around her. She saw a well. Meaningfully well that the, the solutions to our problems are always around us until God opens our eyes to see them. Hello? One more example before we move on to the last point. Abraham. God had told Abraham, Abraham, go and sacrifice your son, your only son, Isaac. How old do you think Isaac was when Abraham was going to sacrifice him? Anybody can guess? Five years old? Ten years old? Anybody, any guess? It doesn't have to be 20, okay? 20 years old. Anybody? Just a guess. All right. What? 17, all right. So most Bible scholars actually say 17. Yeah, I don't know why you chose it. Was it a guess? It wasn't a guess. Okay, you read it somewhere. All right, nice. So it was in that age range. The point is, it wasn't a baby. It wasn't a child. It wasn't, it was an adult. Whether I was 17, whether I was 20, imagine a grown-up man going with the father to be killed. And you're like, father, I can see the wood. I can see the 
lighter, whether it was lighter, they used the matches. I can see the knife. I don't see the animal. And Abraham kept on telling his son, he said, God will provide. God will provide. God will provide. God will provide. Now, I believe Isaac believed that God will provide, right? Up until the point where your father carries you, puts you on the floor, ties you, and then is about to slaughter you. Now, at what point did the boy choose to say, what is my father doing? Daddy, are you okay? Now, that was not even the point. The point is that as he was about to slaughter the child, the Bible says that there was a voice that shouted, said, Abraham! Don't do it. Look around you. I have what? Provided a ram for you to sacrifice. Now, the Bible says that Abraham looked where? Behind him. And then he saw the ram. It means that as Abraham was going, he passed by the answer. Before he got to the problem. Did you get that? When you are at rest, your eyes become open. Every solution is always behind you. You just have to look. It is my prayer that this morning or this afternoon, God will open our eyes in the name of Jesus. At rest, what you need at rest is insight. That the eyes of your understanding might be open and enlightened. That you will see that this problem arrived. See, put this to work in every area of your life. It might be at work. It might be a big challenge that is facing people and there is no solution. You tell yourself, Father, I know that this problem is late. There is already a solution. Open my eyes to see. Sometimes you are solving something, you are solving an equation. I used to enjoy doing further maths and calculus. And it just looks like the thing is not going anywhere. You just close your eyes and say, Father, open my eyes to see a solution to this. And before you know it, the engineers in the house are smiling. You just see a way. Praise God. Praise God. So the first invitation was come. The second one was take my yoke. Now, what, what are the things we do at rest? We know that those things are not burdensome, right? We know that those things are not stressful, right? Now, the Bible says, we read it in the book of Hebrews. We read Hebrews chapter 3 last week. We read verse 15 to 19. It says that they did not enter into their... Let's read it. Let's read it again. And then we can round up on this point. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. Are you getting anything so far? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. It's important for us to read this. Now it says, it says, today, as has as been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? 17. And with whom was he angry for 14 years? Was he not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? Verse 18 and 19, which are the key verses. It says, And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? Verse 19. So we see that they were not able to enter because of what? Because of what? Is in your Bible because of their unbelief. It shows us there that the if there was a lock, if there is a door named rest, and there was a lock, the name of that lock will be unbelief, and the key we used to unlock it will be faith. Hello. Hello. Are we still together? Are we still together? Now I'm tying this up now. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something that can potentially change your Christian work forever. The opposite of faith isn't necessarily doubt. The opposite of faith, I mean, I've heard people say the opposite of faith is doubt. The opposite of faith is fear. The opposite of faith is, let me, let me tell you what unbelief is. How much faith? Now, think of the biggest thing you are believing God for. Think of the biggest thing. Just imagine it in your head. The biggest thing you are believing God for. How much faith do you think you need for that thing to happen? How much faith? How big should your faith be? Now, that thing you, are, you thought about, you are believing God for, is it bigger in terms of miraculous intervention? Is it bigger 
than a mountain being physically uprooted from a location and moving into the sea? Is it? Is it? It's not. Now, for that one to happen, you know the, you, do you know the size of faith Jesus Christ said? Jesus Christ said, faith the size of a mustard seed. So, let, let's go, let's go mathematics on this now. If you need the faith the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain from its location into the sea, it means that thing you are trusting God for, if it doesn't require more theatrics, unless what you are believing God for is maybe for the sun to come down and maybe cook your food or something. You, you of course know that that food will not even be black. The food, in fact, quantum physics teaches us the food, you, we will even see the food again. <laughs> it won't be burnt, it won't be fried, it will just disappear. Hello? Even you yourself, by the time the sun is coming down, you yourself, you will have become a burnt offering that is only unacceptable. You will already be in heaven with Christ discussing the rest. Praise God. But my point is, whatever we need that requires more miracles, more dynamics than that, that's when your, your faith needs to be bigger. Now, let me tell you how the faith equation works. Somebody asked me this question many years ago. He said, if I'm believing God for something, I know God is going to do, but a voice in my head doubts that that thing is actually going to happen. He said, have I canceled that thing from happening? For a lot of us, that's what we've been told in church. You are believing God for a miracle. You've spoken it. You've believed. You've expected. You've done everything. And then suddenly, a voice in your heart, in your heart just says, what if God doesn't do it? And then the devil will just come. Boom, you have canceled it. You know when you are downloading a file, you know, and it's like 2%, 10%, 25 and you're like 98%. You're like, and then you just at 99, you just hit download cancel. You know it's painful. It's really painful, especially when you're paying for data. It's really, really painful. Now, in the same way, your faith is building up. Your faith is at 98%, and you just doubt it. And then the devil just comes, download canceled. Let's go and start again. So you do not. <laughs> I was almost there, but I doubt it. So we have to start again. So you now go back again. Father, I believe you for this. I believe you for this now. Praise God. That's what we've been taught many times, but that, that, that is how it works. Number one, the equation of faith and the way faith works is our faith gains power as we melt our unbelief. Did you hear that? Hello? Hello? Let me explain the, the way Pastor Friend explained this. He said that your faith is like an alloy. You know what an alloy is? A mixture of metals. The real metal you want is in it, but there are a lot of impurities. The impurities in our faith are the unbeliefs and the doubts that we have. As we commit to the hearing of the word, that's the yoke he said we should take. The hearing of the word and the separation of impurities, which is unbelief, then your faith becomes purer. Now, what happens is that you have not increased the amount of metal. You have not increased the strength of the metal, but the fact that you have taken impurities out, you are getting the real version and the real strength of that metal. Hello? So the way your faith works is there are unbeliefs, impurities. Somebody said this. They said nobody has done this. All of those things come to play. Now, tell yourself it is okay for you to doubt in your head. Did you hear that? Hello? If you are believing God for a healing, it is okay for you to doubt in your head. The throne is in your heart where you know fully well that God has said it and it, it is done. That is the only way your downloads can never be cancelled. Did you hear that? Because the day you doubt in your head, the enemy will come and want to click cancel. You say, no, enemy, my faith is still intact. I am human. I have a right to doubt in my head, but I do not doubt in my heart. Because I know God has said it and is able to do this. Hello? Hello? Now, to round it up, faith is not believing for God to do something. For those of us who are at rest, faith is knowing that God has done it and that we are going to walk into it. Hello? Does that make any sense to you? 
For instance, if what you are trusting for is healing, let's say you have hypertension or you have a parent who is hypertensive, your faith is not believing for them to have the hypertension taken away. Your faith is knowing that that hypertension has been taken away and having enough of your own belief in purity, take it out for that person to walk into the reality that it is done. So, faith is not getting God to do something. Faith is resting in the fact that God has done it and I am entering into it. Hello? Hello? I don't know if it's adding up and making sense to us. Praise God. Praise God. That's the yoke he's talking about. There's work to do in rest. We work by committing to the hearing of faith, to the melting of unbelief. It is amazing how much unbelief builds up in us. For some people, you've heard that the day a man becomes very wealthy, the day he becomes very wealthy, then he has a tendency to cheat. For some people, that's how you were taught growing up. So the day they pray in church and they say, Father, bless the men in this church. Let them be very rich and wealthy. Do you know that woman will not be able to pray that prayer? She will pray it with her mouth. She will pray it with her lips. But her heart will not desire for her husband to be very wealthy. You know why? Because the impurity in her faith is that the day a man becomes wealthy, the man begins to cheat. Is it making sense? So that prayer, no matter how loud she is, is an ineffective prayer because it is not the prayer of faith. What she needs to do is to melt and say that, Father, I thank you because my husband is a man that is capable of being wealthy and being faithful. Therefore, we stand on your word and release abundance into his life. I know that we honor you. We will not sin against you. I know we honor our covenant relationship and you will stay faithful to this union. Do you get how it works? Do you see the big difference in the two? Praise God. Let's rise on our feet. Have you been blessed this, this morning? Have you been blessed? This is how your faith works. We enter into rest through faith. If you do not know how faith works, you just find yourself confessing, confessing, believing, believing. But we know that it is done. That problem is late. The solution is somewhere around. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. There are things that we have struggled with for so long. We are not struggling anymore. There are things that we battled with. See, if you have a chat with your parents, they will tell you of some things that they have struggled with. They will tell you about their own parents. That things your grandparents struggled with, things your great-grandparents struggled with. All of that struggle equation comes to an end on you. And it will not be transferred to your children because you made a decision to enter into rest. Therefore, generations after you, will function on that rest. In the mighty name of Jesus. Why don't you raise your voice to heaven and say, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you because your word is light. Thank you because I can see that my doubt is not out of place. I can see that my fears are not out of place. But there is something that is stronger than my fears. There is something that is stronger than my doubt. And that is the words that you have spoken. And I hold on to your word. The Bible says that Abraham, being fully persuaded, believed that God was able to bring what he has spoken to pass. You are going to say, Father, I enter into a level of full persuasion. It might not look like my reality today. It might not look possible today. It might not even look sensible today. But because you have said it, I enter into my abundance. Some of you are still trying to make ends meet. And God has told you that you are going to employ people in this land. God has told you that you are going to live in your own house. God has told you you are going to own properties. God has told you you are going to give towards activities of the church. And you are looking and saying, God, where is all of that going to come from? Activate your faith this morning. Say, Father, I, I, I know you are not about to do it. I know it is done. I begin to walk into my abundance. I begin to walk into my inheritance. I begin to walk into my rest. This is the work we do at rest. We possess what has been given to us. We know the land has been given to us, but we walk into it. We take possession 
by the power of our words, value is created in the spiritual true words. We speak things into existence. We call things that be not as though they were. Come on, begin to call those things. Say, Father, I release my faith. Knowing fully well that it is done. Therefore, I walk into it. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we are to pray to God concerning whatever has proved to be a mountain in your life. By mountain, I mean that you have 10 prayer points. And you put them on the altar, you trust God. Every year, nine will be done. There's just this particular one that is like, it has two heads. It has just, it has just been resistant to all, all sorts of spiritual therapy. I want you to pray. Say, Father, that's a mountain. You didn't say my faith should be the size of the mountain. No. I speak. It says you will say to that mountain, be thou removed. Knowing fully well that it is done. Father, I speak to that stubborn situation. It might be a debt that you've been unable to pay off for years. It might be a pain in your body. It might be a sickness in your family line. It might be a pattern, a genetic pattern. I don't know what it is. I don't know the details. I don't even need to know. What I know is that there is a power in the house and there is an anointing in this room that is able to melt and to dissolve all of that. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, I stand in agreement with your children, with your sons and with your daughters in the house today that that mountain that has been too difficult for them, I release my faith with their faith. Knowing fully well that it is done. Father, they walk into it today. In the name of Jesus, your children will come back to testify. And all the glory will be unto your name. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Many times when we watch sports teams and they are trying to charge themselves up, they shout. One of the reasons why they shout is so that the voice goes from their outer man to their inner man. There is nobody, you know, a team doesn't score a goal. And you see somebody whose team scores a goal, we'll just sit down and say, goal. Have you seen that before? Your team just scored. You just say, goal. You never, unless maybe the person has a tracheostomy or something. There has to be a compelling reason for you not to shout. Praise God. In the kingdom, we shout because we are victorious people. Praise God. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to shout. And the shout you are going to shout is you are going to tell yourself it is done. Now when I am shouting it is done, what is done to me is different from what is done to you. I don't know what it is done. But please testify, okay? It's encouraging. I've been receiving testimonies. We've just not had time to share. Wonderful testimonies. And I was telling people our church is just three weeks old. And God is already doing so much. But I'm not surprised. I know what God said before we started because we know it is done. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Are you ready to shout? You are shouting, it is done, until it registers in your spirit. I won't say whether it's seven times or twelve times. You will shout it until your spirit man registers it, and you walk out of here to see indeed that it is done. In the mighty name of Jesus. Anybody ready to shout? Want to go? It is done! It is done. It is done. It is done. It is done. Come on, glory to God. It is done. I know of a truth that it is done. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you have been blessed this morning? You've been blessed. You know you've been blessed. Praise God. Praise to his name. Very quickly, let's package our offerings and our tithes.